0: Uh, I always say law, ultimately, is about relationships. It's about managing relationships between people or entities.
1: Welcome to the business behind your business. Conversations to help your business grow and thrive. Hi, I'm Paul Sweeney, founder of Premium Solutions, chartered accountants and certified business advisors hosting the business behind your business. Today I'm here with Philip Vandenhever from Frank Law, Uh, obviously a law firm but a law firm with a difference so good good to have you here Philip and tell us a bit more about who you are and what you do.
0: Yeah good morning Paul, thank you. First of all thank you for the opportunity, I really appreciate it. obviously not only to do the podcast with you, but to be on the advisory board. I really appreciate the opportunity and I'm excited about it. So looking forward to that. Yes, yeah, so Frank Law is a boutique law firm based in Parramatta. Uh, we serve the wider community of Western Sydney and obviously Northwest. Um, so we have the privilege to serve, serve people in the community with, with our legal advice. And that's the way that we want to conduct ourselves as well. You know, with, is with professionalism, I suppose, and, and humility. So, so that is what we do. Um, in terms of the different areas of law that we uh, practice in, we have a corporate team which looks after businesses, their corporate needs, their commercial needs, the agreements and all those type of uh, issues that they might face in growing the business, starting the business or even when they want to exit the business. Uh, we also have a family law team who are looking after uh, when there's a family breakup. A, sp- a specific uh, speciality, I suppose, is uh, family breakups where there's a business involved uh, is something that we are quite good at, if I can say that, and then we also have a, a team of uh, wills and estate planning uh, looking after uh, people 's estate and succession planning what happens to to the end of their lifetime so that in short is, is, uh, is frank law we we 're about uh, sixteen or seventeen employees uh, based in the heart of of Parramatta. Yeah and uh, it's my absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you. appreciate
1: it. So quite a comprehensive skill set within Frank Law um, and there are a number of things you just mentioned about where a business owner would actually be able to utilize those skills Uh, and often what we see um, from an accountant's point of view is that uh, our clients don't tend to engage a lawyer until something's gone wrong and often that's that's too late, from my, my view. If, if we could engage the lawyer and get the advice up front, then we're going to get a better outcome. So where, when's the best time to start working with a business lawyer?
0: Yeah, that, that is absolutely true, Paul. I mean, so many times I would get clients coming to us and I would just say to them, if you just came you know, a few months earlier, um, we could have put things in place to, to manage this risk. My advice is to all business owners is to, as early as possible, obviously, when you start a business, start off the right track, especially if you're entering into a business with a business partner, you know when the relationship is still in the honeymoon phase, where parties are willing to compromise with each other, it's those times that you need to get structures in place, like a shareholders agreement, or a partnership agreement, or joint venture agreement, whatever uh, type of relationship you're entering into. To make sure that these things are properly recorded so that both sides know exactly all right this is the basis upon which uh, we are entering into this deal together Uh, this is the basis upon which it will be dissolved this is the basis upon which we will resolve disputes Um, but also then from what i would call below the line type of documents, you know, having making sure that you have your proper terms and conditions, your pro- proper employment agreements, your policies and procedures. If you have a website, a proper disclaimer, uh, documents, privacy, policy, all those legal documents which are needed to protect your business from, from risk. Another important factor is for when people uh, start their businesses is how to protect their personal assets. So so from our point of view, there are ways by the use of trust or some other mechanism where a person, when they start a business, uh, protect the risks that their personal assets might have in entering into or starting that business. Now, I want to make it clear, we, we as, uh, as lawyers obviously look at risk and try to manage the manage risk associated to that. Now, there are always other elements that goes with that, like tax like business and that's when we go to people like yourself to work together with the accountant to come up with a structure with a plan with a process to make sure that risks are uh, sufficiently uh, dealt with but also from a tax effective point of view is is implemented so yeah to to get to your make a short uh, to answer your question shortly, it is from the beginning, as early as possible, not when a problem arises, um, because dealing with it with at that stage just causes so much more difficulties. And, you know, lawyers are expensive. That is a fact. And you can save yourself a lot of money if you don't go into too much trouble at later, if you have from the start. Uh, your your processes and, and documents in place.
1: Yeah, prevention is certainly better than the cure. cure. And, and and getting, uh, I think we all know that, that, that new feeling, when you buy something new, it's in the best condition it can be. And even when it does get some damage, it's not as functional or as aesthetically correct. correct. So it's good to get those things in place right at the beginning. Now... We're talking about shareholders agreements because yeah. I think that's a key thing, and I've seen plenty of instances where there hasn't been an agreement in place, and things have gone bad. When things have gone well, and look, I'm I'm, I'm thinking back to a situation where we had um, three or four people in the business, and there was a very watertight and well constructed shareholders agreement. One of those shareholders was killed in a boating accident and the the spouse was obviously distressed but didn't want to go through the situation of dealing with all the ins and outs. But we had a very clear process set out in the shareholders agreement, a very smooth process. What ended up happening was the the, the spouse was able to to grieve without having to worry about the business side and the mechanism was in place. We had a very clear statement of what value was and the terms of which they would be paid. So that's a great example of when it works well um,
0: yeah, absolutely. They call that a, they call that a buy sell agreement, um, which is which is basically when one of the shareholders is either becoming incapacitated or when they die. Of course, you know. Yeah, we have many. Um, the questions I ask uh, our clients is uh, how well do you get along with your business partners, partner, mm. wife or husband? Because guess what, if somebody help, uh, happens to to your business partner, they are probably going to become the one that you have to deal with and that you have to have a relationship with but luckily there are processes. there's an agreement called a buy sell agreement where you can agree beforehand that if something happens to me that uh, the other business partner can immediately buy those shares off the estate and as you rightly said there are certain processes agreed to about what the valuation is how it will be valued and how that will occur which can take a lot of uh, anxiety out of the process. Um, you know, another another issue is, is if the person dies without a will, you all of a sudden have a public servant to deal with, mm. uh, with a public trustee to deal with in terms of those shares in your in your business. Yes. Um, we, which you know you you the the matter becomes just a number, and you know you're in line until they get time to deal with it, and and all of those things place stresses on the business. Um, and luckily, there's a Uh, I'm not an expert on it, but there's obviously as well as key man insurance that a business should take out so that uh, if you and I are in a business, if I pass away, at least the company has paid them for insurance, which allows you to purchase those shares of my estate. Mm. You know, there are a lot of things that, that, that you can do to make things easy and to avoid disputation because at the end of the day, that is the thing that causes stress, that is the thing that causes money, is disputation uh, amongst, amongst shareholders and business partners. So uh, again, rather sooner rather than later yeah
1: so just to clarify the buy sell agreement is a separate agreement to your shareholders agreement
0: it it is a separate agreement i i have seen uh, a shareholders agreement which includes a buy sell which is not a problem but we recommend it to be two separate agreements um that should be drafted uh, and tailor to to the business. Yeah.
1: Mm. Okay. So so that's that's good. And what sort of things go into a shareholders agreement other than obviously the the buy and sell? That what what are the common things that a shareholders agreement deals with?
0: Yeah. They, look, there are they are obviously uh, varied terms that could go into it depending on the business. But if I can turn to the to the basic stuff, it, it is about it usually would say who can appoint directors, how directors are appointed, how they are. Or could be removed, how shares are transferred either to third parties or amongst the the the, uh, the shareholders, uh, which usually give usually uh, you will have provisions that allows the other shareholder to have a first right or an option to purchase before uh, the other shareholder can sell off the shares to you know his mate. Uh, which, which you might not come along with, go along with. Um, yeah. So d- those type of things. There, there's what we call drag along or tag along provision, which basically deals with should there be a buy, should one of the shareholders receive a buyout from someone else, uh, the other shareholders can say, wait a minute, I want to participate in that sellout. You must drag me or tag me along to whatever that deal is. That sounds good. Um, there are, as you say, there are termination provisions. How does this? company dissolve who belong uh, who gets the ip what what happens to uh, the assets of of the company when this business comes to an end uh, how do we value shares uh, yeah it's those type of provisions how many board meetings do we have per year uh, and just what can directors do and what can can't they do what requires unanimous vote what can a director majority vote um, it's all those type of um, Decision making, I suppose, in in helping and, and understanding before you start the business, how are we going to manage this business going forward, and mm. and what can I do and what can't I do? Um, one must always remember that there's a layer on top of any every shareholders agreement, which is just your duties as a director. Mm. Um, which you know, it's always advisable uh, to 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 get advice from from a lawyer about what are my duties as a director you know there's duties of good faith there's duties of trust and fidelity there's duties of all those type of of provisions so that you understand what your duties as a director there are um so yes so that's the shareholders agreement that's basically you know a very important document that should be entered into Mm -hmm. and
1: one of the things i think that, that um often gets overlooked i've seen is the dealing with how funds are contributed by the original shareholders and um you know, uh, should they be separate loan agreements, and and how do we provide for when do those loans get repaid on, uh, by the yeah. business, or on what conditions?
0: Yeah, look, when it comes to directors' loans, as we as we call it, it's all always important to um, to have those director loan documentation very carefully drafted and uh, and put in writing. Uh, and the reason for this is is that should the business go into liquidation. Um, you know, it is very important that a director can say, "Wait a minute, I've got first rights to, to claim money." Um, we, we, with that, we would we would recommend, uh, you know, registration on PPSR maybe over some assets of the of the company uh, to make sure that the, um, the, the, the director's interest loan to the company is protected. Um, of course, that loan agreement will obviously set out how things are paid, how things are. How the loan is repaid over time, etc., etc. It could be by the issuing of more shares or whatever the case might be. It really needs to be tailored to to the business. Um, But uh, and more importantly, also is that what will happen if this company, if we agree, you know, decide to to separate paths? uh, What will happen to the directors' loans? How will that be funded? How will that be paid? Who gets what? And all those type of things. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. Those. internal relationship documents recording exactly who gave what, who contributed what, should be should be well documented and mm-hmm. um, to ensure that, you know, the people's rights are protected. Um, should they uh well not the inevitable should they uh, you know should something happen to the business
1: yeah yeah, yeah. well i think we, we we all know that at some point every business ends whether yeah. by choice or 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 not yeah um, correct um so you need to have a mechanism in place so we talked about today so we've talked about three key documents as part of setting up a business so your yeah. your shareholders agreement your buy sell dealing with how how people yeah. will exit and and loans, Dealing with um, the directors' loans, yeah, yeah. So three key things, and and of course the advice is always start working with a lawyer, yeah. a business lawyer, yeah. uh, right at the beginning.
0: I I think especially the share shareholder, well shareholders, yeah, all these agreements, but particularly the shareholders agreement because negotiating a shareholders agreement, especially where there's a minority shareholder involved, is always hard and difficult and it forces the partners to have discussion with one another about uncomfortable things about uh, you know what will happen how what can I as a majority shareholder do you know push you out or anything like that um, so, so it's, it's important that those things are discussed when the relationship is still fresh mm-hmm. and new and, and as I said in the honeymoon period where both sides are willing to compromise because um, I would suggest that if you can't agree on a shareholders agreement in the beginning of your relationship, you're going to find it extremely hard yeah. in managing your business. Yeah. Uh, and it's rather that you know that before you or at the beginning of your business than finding that out much later. Mm.
1: Uh, and that, that raises a really good point there because I think there's a this... Excitement about starting a business, and often what I see is that the structure is set up, the commitment is made, the first customer is the, taken website, on. Is the website is built. Website is built. Everything. Well, the <laughs> website's always <laughs> a priority because <Could laughs> they get that out there. But uh, then the shareholders' group becomes an after event, and and um, and and then at that point you're sort of already entangled with each other, yeah. and it's harder to come up with those hard terms. That's right. And
0: what we usually find, um, Paul, is that. What what they what what business partners would enter into is what they call an MOU. And an MOU, generally speaking, is not enforceable. Okay.
1: So just so an so,
0: MOU is a so MOU is a memorandum of a sta- understanding. Now okay. that could be uh, what what would usually happen. And I'm just using examples. I'm not saying that's always the case. You know, there would be an email between the guys. Hey, let's start a business. You get that? I get that. And then yeah. one would say, you know what? From that arrangement that we've now made through emails or whatever at the pub at the back of the beer coaster let's let's get a document together and we can say we agree to these things and they think that once they've done that themselves mm. that and they sign it that's it yeah. uh, um, whereas an mou is usually an intent to enter into agreement um, there are six elements, I'm not going to go through them now, but there's six elements that constitute what makes a contract. A MOU is usually a, an intent to contract. It's not enforceable in law. So, But people often think that once I've got the MOU, I've got this little document that we agreed on without getting any advice on. Um, and then usually there would be a term like, oh, the parties agreed to enter in a shareholders agreement, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then that shareholders agreement never happens yeah um because they think oh we've done that we we, we've done the negotiations it's all fine we don't we don't have to worry about a shareholders agreement um yeah they might find that they're a bit you know fallen short of what they think they entered into Mm -hmm. and whether it is legally enforceable whether it can be relied on now i'm not saying The MOU is worthless, yes, it shows intent, uh, but enforcing it, thinking if there's something in the MOU that you agreed to and you think that two years, three years later, when it goes peer shape, you want to rely on that as an entitlement that you should get when the business uh, dissolves, that's hard. Um, Mm -hmm. That's an extremely difficult um, thing to to, to get yourself out of. It might cost you money to do so. yeah, so, so that is the danger people often do, is that they think they enter into these handshake deals or MOUs and, and think that that's the end of the story. We are good to go.
1: Yeah. So uh, it's a classic example of you don't know what you don't know. No. And, and, and really, unless you're actually already a business lawyer yourself and have those, well, if you're a business lawyer, you'd be putting those agreements in place, yeah. but most business owners don't have that background. So this no, is that- where it's crucial to, to engage somebody that does have that experience and, and that skill set.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Look, for, for us as lawyers, it's always helpful if there is an MOU to draft a shareholder's agreement because that you can just say, look, uh, Philip, here's the, share, the MOU, can you quickly draft us a shareholder's agreement based on that? Um, but I think it, as people go through that process of us drafting the shareholder's agreement based on the MOU, they, they raise a lot of questions are raised and which we push back to client and say, your MOU says X. Um, But how does that actually translate in a legally enforceable document? Um, uh, And people might find that, you know, there's a lot of unanswered things that MOUs don't address. Um, So it's important to get advice from the start, as you say, Mm -hmm. on these things, making sure that you've got your ducks in a row, so to speak.
1: Great. Well, that's that's all great advice. Uh, Well, not just for people for starting business, but anybody that's in business. If you don't have those agreements in place, you should do so now.
0: Well, that's right. I almost say it's never too late, but actually it could, in some instances, be too late. Um, You know, trying to get something across the line when there's a disagreement and when the relationship is already strained is actually almost impossible. Um, So it's better to, to do
1: it when when you're on honeymoon, great. So um, what's one big thing, the one key thing that you would like to leave people with um, when we're talking about agreements? What's the one key thing they need to remember?
0: I think one of the key thing to remember is that agreements ultimately is between two people or three people or more. But the, the point is it involves people. People change. People develops. They um, relationship changed. Um, so it is important that when you commence a relationship, that the terms upon which and the expectations of that relationship is agreed to in writing. You know, even it is as difficult. Even even when there is a signed agreement, it's sometimes clear from from the party's conduct that they didn't even intend that. Mm. Um, So it just makes it so much more difficult. People, uh, I I always use the analogy, if you and I are standing on the different side of a tree and I describe to you the tree that I'm seeing from my perspective and you are standing on the other side of the tree or... On another angle, you obviously see a different shape of the tree, correct? you, yes. you, you There's certain branches you don't see, that I see, and there's certain branches that I see that you don't see. We might be describing the same thing, but the people, you and I, have different perspectives. And that's the exact same when we enter into a business, into a relationship, is that uh, what you perceive to be the deal between us is... 99% time of the time, different to what I perceive the deal might be, a document helps you to actually see the tree from both sides and and have it all together and give certainty for parties um, about what the nature of relationship is. And the year I'm talking not just about shareholder relationship, I'm talking about employee relationships, I'm talking about supplier relationships, if you have a distributor relationship, I'm talking about your customers, just your normal terms and conditions, what are the expectations of this relationship? Uh, I always say law ultimately is about relationships. It's about managing relationships between people or entities or companies. Um, that is what the law tries to regulate. Um, if you take traffic law, for example, you might say, well, where's the relationship there? Well, traffic law is it's between you as a road user and somebody else as a road user. It regulates that relationship. Um, And that's the same with agreements. It regulates relationships. Um, So agreements in all facets or aspects of your your business is so critical to have in place. Um, Whether it is, as I said to employees, or whether it's just managing your debtors or your creditors, whether it's managing your suppliers, who supplies what, what happens if it's a faulty product, who gets the fault, who fixes it, you know, all those type of uh, things that we think, we understand what's going to happen if you give me a thing that's faulty uh, 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 turns out not to be the case uh you know so so that's why agreements and policies uh in your business is so important as it relates to people it relates to management of that relationship to protect your business right i know that's a long point but <laughs> i think it's so critical to to, to say
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Philip, thank you very much for your time today. It's been some um, some great knowledge shared there, and um, we just hope that more business owners um, are proactive and get these agreements in place to protect those relationships that are so important.
0: Paul, thank you again.
1: Thank you, Philip. That was Philip Vandenhever from Frank Law. We're going to be talking again with Philip in the future episodes about employment law and other aspects of law that all businesses should be aware of. Thanks for listening. Do you have a question you'd like our team of experts to answer? If you do, send your question to podcast at thebusinessbehindyourbusiness.com. To hear more from The Business Behind Your Business, don't forget to subscribe using your favourite podcast player, or you can visit the businessbehindyourbusiness.com website.